Okay, I'm gonna start doing a video diary recording the way I'm feeling. I'm transgender, my gender doesn't match my body. Just bring it along here and only and stop about there. I consider myself a straight female and I have a boyfriend who also considers themselves to be a male and a female. So that's like well confusing. What happens to Lauren's neck? when it's touched. Part of the reason why I want to transition, I feel too much like the man in the relationship. <laughs> I fell in love with some of those male traits and those male characteristics. I need to switch genders. I need to make the change. That was just one of your boobs growing. <laughs> in the space of a week, She'd grown an ass. You have boobs. It must be strange for her. The person you're having sex with's body, like, slowly change. I don't consider myself to be gay. The idea that she would want to have sex with men, I would understand that. And then for me, I've never dated anyone as a woman. We're not in an open relationship. <laughs> That's off limits for us. The spotlight is hugely on this one person. In a very selfish light, you need attention too. I want to hang out, but I just can't be bothered talking about trans stuff anymore. It's very difficult to deal with because it was me kind of losing Lewis. They all proposed to me. I'm going to yep. do the man thing, am I? Yep. Go yourself. Yep. Man. Nothing's ever set in stone how your relationship's ever gonna go. Welcome to the lowest part of my life ever. I have supporters for tea. It's really hard to say we're gonna get through this because I'm as doubtful as she is. I can work 12 hours a day. What do you want me to do? Sometimes you just wanna go yourself. You try having a exchange. That's the trailer for Girl Like You. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. I love a feature film debut. Uh, there's nothing quite like watching a film directed by first-time feature filmmakers who are giving it their all to make a name for themselves and forge a screen career. In this episode, I'm joined by two such guests, Samantha Marlowe and Francis Elliott, who have written and directed a moving and insightful documentary called Girl Like You. These two are certainly filmmakers to keep an eye on, and from what they tell me in this interview, they're going to be making movies together for a long time going forward. I sat on my couch watching this film a week ago, and I had tears rolling down my face almost the entire time. It affected me greatly, and while talking to Samantha and Francis, I can tell the emotional impact of making such a film still affects them too. Girl Like You follows a young couple, Lauren and Elle, over six years as they battle to stay together as L transitions genders, confronting the effects of new body parts, changing gender roles, as well as navigating their own evolving sexual identities. In this interview, Francis and Samantha discuss how their filmmaking journey began, their personal relationships with both Lauren and Elle, the effects making this documentary had on them personally, making movies in Western Australia, and working with producer Cody Greenwood, who recently made Under the Volcano. Girl Like You will be available to watch on ABC iView from Tuesday the 9th of November, and I highly recommend it. Anyway, enjoy. Samantha and Francis, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's great to have you both with us. 
Thank Very you. Very happy to be here. Hey, uh, congratulations on Girl Like You. Uh, I was glued to the screen watching this, and I'll admit that at first I thought it was going to be quite a generalised documentary about gender transitioning, but it quickly becomes this very powerful and, and very emotional piece uh, with these fractured relationships at its core. Um, I felt a tremendous sympathy for both parties in this film and you two should really be applauded for the way that you've managed to balance everyone's stories so fairly and respectfully. So congratulations again on this one. Thank oh, you thank so you. much for that. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny you say that because it's sort of, the film sort of started for me and Sam as a similar journey. We, we, our main focus in the beginning was going to be a um, transition story purely yeah. on Elle and obviously, because Elle and Lauren lived together at that time, um, we sort of started interviewing Lauren whenever we interviewed Elle. And as we were filming, we sort of realised the more interesting part of this story was actually the love story that was going on between them and the changing dynamics of their relationship as Elle transitioned. Yes, yes. Uh, we're going to sink our teeth into, into the film in a moment, but I want to start by getting to know you two a bit better. Um, we're all from Western Australia here, which is pretty great. Uh, how did you two both get involved in the film industry? Uh, Samantha, maybe we'll start with you. Yeah, um, well, we both, Francis and I, our origin story is quite interesting because we both were kind of fresh out of university um, and we both studied film. Francis studied film. I studied journalism and film. And I wasn't really sure which direction I wanted to go in. Um, but we both kind of got a job editing the news at Channel 9. That was kind of our first gig in the industry and that's where we met. Um, and, yeah, we just kind of instantly connected over our love of documentary and kind of deep access stories and um, we bonded over Louis Theroux and, yeah, it just came up that we, we wanted... I, I was friends with Lauren... And she was kind of introducing me to her partner, Elle, and explaining to me kind of the journey that Elle was going on. And the idea for the documentary kind of came out of that. And I remember just kind of pitching it to Frances and she was immediately on board. So that's kind of how our friendship started and how kind of we started in the film industry as well. Yes. Uh, Frances, did you two grow up together? Did I, did I read that right? Or, or did you grow up in the same area? No, we didn't. We, um, we met... Um, we met at Channel 9 when we were yeah. in our early 20s yeah. um, and sort of have been making films ever since. But, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd never seen each other before then. <laughs> so, so I grew up in Rollstone where Elle grew up. Right, right. So, so where did your passion for, uh, for filmmaking and, and, or, you know, storytelling come from? Well, I, um, my family is sort of in the business. My dad is a, um, a writer-director and when I was young he was always sort of flying out and um, he, he did primarily like TV shows and movies as a director um, and my mum worked in the news and the ABC. That's actually how they met each other. My dad was a, um, my dad was the mailman at the ABC because right. he was slowly, and, and he slowly worked his way up to news director and he, um, you know, fell in love with my mum and she was sort of the vision switcher at the ABC. So, um, so I've sort of been very involved in film ever since I was a kid. I, I loved writing and telling stories um, and telling stories was a big part of growing up for me, you know, um, because my dad was, was so interested in it. And I always said, you know, in all my like report cards and everything, it says, you know, I want to be a writer from the age of six years old. And I used to write these sort of novels on the back of my dad's scripts. 
And, um, you know, when it came time to graduate high school, my dad was like, you know, I told my dad I wanted to be a writer and he said you should go and study film because it sort of goes quite well hand in hand with writing. You can make films and, and write at the same time. Um, and I'd always had a pretty pretty crappy grades and not done very well in school. Um, and then when I went to film and television school, I was just all of a sudden I was, you know, excelling and top of my class and stuff like that. So um, it seemed, I think I was very lucky because I went to film school when I was 19 um, and it was, it's, I will never do anything else. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's everything that I love. So I got quite lucky in terms of finding exactly what I wanted to do really early in life. Mm. Uh, Samantha, how about you? How did your journey begin? Yeah, mine was completely different. Um, Yeah, I kind of, nobody in my family kind of had a tertiary education. Um, Nobody was really in that industry. It's kind of like blue collar family. My mum works in a pub. My dad was a tradie. But I just always really was enamoured with the idea of making a documentary or creating um, content that could profoundly affect the way that people feel about a certain subject mm. and so um and I, I really like the idea of um positively um influencing societal change that was kind of all the content that I was into when I was growing up and that's why I was so obsessed with documentary and I wanted to kind of do the exact same thing so I was at a, I was in a funny place because I didn't really know what to do at university um I went there and I was studying journalism um and then I studied film as well because I was really in the middle and then probably halfway through my degree I realized that I I didn't want to be a reporter because that's kind of what the degree was geared towards mm. um but I did really like the journalism side and I loved um meeting with people and connecting with them and learning their stories and kind of being learning about this brand new world and having a completely different perspective on it um so I guess by the end of my degree I'd done both journalism and film and yeah I was still in the middle so (laughs) my tutor at the time was had an opportunity to go to channel nine he said while you're still in this space and you're not sure what you want to do with your life um go and cut news stories (laughs) yes yes you guys you're talking about uh, this factual storytelling uh, and uh, and your interest in documentary. Would either of you like to explore, uh, you know, narrative filmmaking too, or, or feature films? Um, yeah. So, so I, um, as I as I sort of talked about, I have a big interest in writing. So, um, I also write for drama. Yes. Um, and so I'm a lot of you know my experience in making documentaries, everything that I do is sort of based around the storytelling aspect. So I I love writing, I love directing, I love editing because those are the sort of the things that I I feel are the most influential in in telling of stories. So I do a lot of drama work, like um, I'm in writer's rooms and developing sort of TV concepts and and feature films um, and stuff like that. And I definitely... um, want to make dramas I guess not as um not as much as I love documentary I feel like documentary for me is like my sort of main my main thing it's what I love um and and in many ways I find docos sort of easier and and I feel like my talents are more inclined to there whereas drama I find quite difficult in a lot of ways um but I definitely do want to make dramas and especially write for drama. Samantha? 
I'm totally different. I, I love documentary. I love every aspect of documentary. I love how you can kind of start with an idea of where you're going to be with documentary and how the story can kind of change over time and you need to adapt and a lot of the kind of work for documentary um, is done in post-production and that's such a an amazing part of it as well because you've kind of got all the puzzle pieces in front of you and that's where you know you work together to kind of write it into something that's cohesive and something that makes sense so yeah I'm, I'm not my talents aren't inclined towards um, drama at all but um, yeah I love watching Frances come up with her concepts it's amazing oh that's wonderful um i've hosted a ton of q a's with wa filmmakers and and i've interviewed many um filmmakers over the years and often ask people what's the best thing about working as a filmmaker in western australia Uh, so while i have you two here and we're we're starting this interview off uh, what do you enjoy the most about being a part of the local industry francis maybe we'll start with you um i I really love how much you can get done here with a really, really small crew. So, like, for us, you know, our crew on Girl Like You, most of the time it was literally just sort of four or five people. Mm -hmm. And I think once you sort of find the people in, in your industry that you really can work together with, you can just sort of like pump out content in a, in a really sort of organic and easy way. And, you know, I, I love that about here, you know, and, and we have so many funding initiatives here in WA that are geared towards like making films in WA. So as long as you have a sort of team and a slew of ideas, which usually me and Sam have, it is quite, you know, it it is quite easy to get projects started because you just kind of go to the people that you've been working with and be like, we don't have any funding yet, but let's go out with a camera and just film for a couple of days and then we can get the, you know, a trailer together and and get some funding for it. Um, So, yeah, I I love that. I love that about WA. Yes. Samantha? Totally. Both of those things are amazing. Um, Just to kind of expand on what Francis said as well, we, yeah, we're in a really lucky position because we kind of got a really small crew together when we first started making Girl Like You six, seven years ago. And we've stuck together ever since. So it's like we're this ragtag team. We can, you know, whenever Francis and I have got a new concept, we can call on our crew. Um, They're more than happy to, you know, start filming straight away. And we're really lucky in that way. But another thing that I love about the WA industry is there's just, there's so much amazing powerhouse female talent here. And we're so lucky in that sense. Um, I mean, we've got Cody on our team um, and she kind of came on board really early with Girl Like You as well. And it's just we've all got really lucky because we're just really cohesive together as a team and it's just super important for the films we want to tell because we're trying to what's really important to us is kind of telling stories through a female lens. Mm. And so we've been really lucky to kind of have just really talented women to work with. Cody is, you know... She, she, her talents could easily be, have gotten her, you know, over to America and, and global there. Um, and she is working on a global scale. And the fact that she sort of, you know, lives 45 minutes away from us is 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 insanely lucky and great. <laughs> <laughs> Just for our listeners there, uh, Cody, who they're referring to is uh, Cody Brown, and uh, she's making a real name for herself at the moment uh, most recently. Cody yeah, sorry, Cody Greenwood, sorry. Uh, most recently produced uh, Under the Volcano. 
um, which was directed by the great Gracie Otter, who, who I absolutely love. Uh, so how did you two meet uh, Cody and, and, and what was it like to work with her on, on Girl Like You? Oh, it was amazing. We met Cody through our mutual friend, Paul Comadina, um, who's a director here in Perth, and he kind of introduced her to us. And she, we were kind of at the same kind of spot in our careers where we were like emerging filmmakers. We're all taking on, you know, we're all really ambitious and taking on these projects and just wanting to make films and Cody was kind of in the exact same headspace that we were so we just got really lucky in that sense that we pitched the idea to her she immediately loved it and then you know the rest is history she just worked tirelessly on the film until we eventually got it funded. That's amazing. Uh, Francis anything you'd want to add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, for, we with um, with Cody, we were we were really lucky because one of her real specialties and real talents is getting films financed. That's sort of her bread and butter. That's um, what she's really really good at. And we had a really difficult journey getting Girl IQ funded. Um, it took us five five years. We didn't get funding until the sixth year of production, mm. which is our final year. Um, you know, we we applied to. 20-plus different funding bodies throughout the whole time um, and just sort of kept getting no's, no's, no's. One, because we were a very fresh team. We hadn't made a feature film before and we were all really young, um, you know, in our early 20s. And another thing is that, you know, we just sort of, um, it it was quite, I mean, it's a little bit different now and and a lot of the funding bodies are geared towards making diverse stories, but we were just having a little bit of trouble back then sort of getting this, you know, sort of small story, a, a big stage, and we wanted it to be really big. We didn't want it to be sort of a back a backyard feature. We wanted it to ha- to have a global audience um, and have a really big stage. So, Cody, um, Cody, I, I think if it wasn't for Cody, we probably wouldn't have got the funding that we did get because she she sort of never said die. Um, and and just every every time we would get knocked back, you know, she'd just sit us down and give us a pet talk and just say, nope, we just apply and apply and apply until we eventually get it. Yes, <laughs> and um, yes. after five years, we did. <laughs> yeah. And, she, and also she just, she has always kind of just been like a cut above the rest in terms of her producing work, whether it's like the relationship she's making with financiers or funding bodies or, and kind of on like a smaller scale, her relationships with the crew and that kind of thing. I, yeah, we just got super lucky. (laughs) Very lucky. And and this film does demand a global audience. It's certainly worthy of it. Um, so, so let's start talking about Girl Like You here. How, how did this uh, subject come about for a film? Like, what are the very early origins of it? Yeah, ve- very early origins were um, Lauren and I, we'd been really good friends for a lot of years. We've been friends since high school. Um, and we were just on a night out one night and she kind of, you know, it was 3am in the morning and shit, we were kind of sat there in a corner at a bar just kind of chewing each other's ears off about this new relationship that she was in. Um, she just met Elle. Um, they were freshly dating and she was telling me that Elle was out as a trans person but that Elle wasn't sure where she sat in the spectrum of gender and it was a hugely consuming part of Elle's day-to-day life, kind of figuring out where she sat. Um, she'd just done a 
uh, article with Tone Deaf, with, which is a media publication, where she'd come out saying, I don't know whether I'm a boy or a girl, but that's okay, isn't it? So Lauren and I were just kind of talking about that and I was really interested because I'd kind of, there'd been dribs and drabs of transgender content that I'd found, but it had only ever been on YouTube. There wasn't really any kind of documentary that you could go to, a reference documentary or a Bible in that sense. Um, but I'd seen a series on YouTube um, about Jazz Jenny and I just remember feeling just really deeply empathetic towards this little girl and just, you know, trying to find more content to try and match up with that, but I couldn't find anything. So, yeah, basically from that conversation with Lauren, um, I, you know, I said to her, I've got to, I got to meet Elle. I knew of her because she actually lived on, we grew up on the same street in Rollystone, which is like a smallish kind of, um, you know, suburb that's kind of on the outskirts of Perth. Yes. Um, so, up in the yeah, hills. Up in the hills <laughs> and it's a small town. Everybody kind of knows each other. I knew of Elle. She was in the Love Junkies at the time and I knew of the band. Um, so I just kind of said to Lauren, oh, I really want to chat to her and I really want to um, meet her and, like, you know, get to know more about her and maybe follow her journey. So that's kind of where it all started. Right. Uh, Francis, were they both willing to be a part of this documentary from the get-go? Did it take any convincing? No. In, in the beginning, it really didn't take too much convincing because I think um, for both of them there were sort of different things that they were sort of gaining from it. I think that L. L was very consumed by, by her gender at this particular point because as Sam said, she didn't really know where she sat. She didn't. She didn't know if she identified as a boy or a girl or somewhere in between. And I think um, for her, sitting down and sort of talking about it on camera was therapy for her mm. and a way for her to really deeply dissect all of these emotions. Especially because she sort of couldn't afford therapy at that time. Yeah. Um, and and she was very obsessed with this stuff. Um, you know, she really sort of just delved into online and was just researching and talking about it constantly. So I think that sort of appealed to her. And then for Lauren, I know, you know, she, um, we felt a lot of empathy for her because there definitely wasn't any reference points for, for people in trans relationships with partners yes. to sort of go to and um, to, to get any sort of, um, you know, to relate to anything. And so for her, she thought, you know, she really wanted it to be something that could help other people. Mm. Um, and so at, in the beginning, they were definitely really um, keen to do it. I think none of us expected that it would be uh, as long a journey as it was. You know, me and Sam sort of naively thought at the time that we'd film Elle's transition for a year. She'd be fully transitioned at the end of that year. And then we'd cut it, you know, into a documentary the, the year after. But, you know, um, it, it, in, you know, she took two years to sort of commit to the transition and then she's still transitioning today because, you know, it, it, the, a transition never really ends. Um, so I definitely think they, um, over time, they, they, you know, there was a bit more issues because of how long we were filming for. Um, but in the beginning, they were very keen. Yes. Uh, Samantha, you had originally planned to shoot it as a short documentary. When, when did you realise this, this story needed to be told in a much longer format? I guess uh, Francis has just answered that in, in, a, in a bit of a way. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, probably when we realised that we'd gotten a year in and there was just so much more content to explore and we hadn't even really scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. um, there's even, there's so much more content that didn't even make 
our feature documentary at the end of the day because mm-hmm. just the complexities and kind of like the sensitivities surrounding the subject are so endless. Yes. Um, and I think probably, yeah, a year or a year and a half or two years in is when we realised this is going to be a feature documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need the space and the time to give the story it, what it needs. That's, that's really interesting to hear. So, so why did you decide on the, what made you decide on the one hour, I can't remember, I think it's one hour and 14 minutes. What made you decide on that time? On that duration? Uh, well, it was it, that was a journey as well because of all that all our funding um, stuff. So me and Sam originally we always wanted it to be a feature after after we sort of started filming for a couple of years. We wanted it to be a feature so that we could properly explore sexuality and gender and all these really big things. Um, and you know we couldn't get it funded as a feature. Yes. Screen West and, and, and a couple of other the funding bodies were gearing their funding at that time towards a six by ten series. Oh, yes. So we actually had to make this film into a six by ten series before we made it into a feature, and then it was commissioned by the ABC, and we cut it down to a, a, a fifty six minute for ABC. Right. So it's been in various right. various different forms um, throughout <laughs> the journey. Um, our favorite is definitely the the feature length. Because um, what we really wanted to do with this film is um, make it sort of all-consuming in the same way that it is to Ellen Lauren. So throughout this six-year journey, there was sort of really no escape for them of of the, like, deep and complex emotions that they were going through. And we wanted to sort of mirror that in a feature film, preferably seen in the cinema, where you you can't pause it, you can't sort of get up and and do something else and have breaks. We wanted it to feel sort of all-consuming in the same way that Elle's sort of gender dysphoria was consuming her. Mm. So that was our our sort of biggest reason for the feature format. Right, right. Uh, Sam, was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, that was perfectly said. Mm. And there were, and along the way as well, there were, we started, you know, we made the six by 10 first and we fell in love with that. And then, you know, we cut it into the feature and we were like, oh, my God, like, of course, our, you know, our original concept for this is where it needs to be. And then we cut it into the 56 or, or whatever it is for ABC and we were like, this is great as well. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we always um, we always come back to the feature and just feel like that is it's the perfect length for the story and just the time it needs, you know. Yes, the, the definitive version. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or cinemaaustralia.com.au. There's a lot of emotion happening throughout this film with both Elle and Lauren. Uh, Did you two, were were you two impacted by that emotion uh, making this film? Were you feeling that? Francis, maybe we can start with you. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, we grew very, very close to Ellen Lauren throughout this film. And I feel like I've never been so emotionally invested in someone else's relationship in my whole life. You know, we were really sort of consumed by it because it was our everyday as well. Um, and watching them go through something so difficult um, was, re- was really difficult. I mean, especially the sort of end section of the film um, when they really sort of, they were both had got to the sort of bottom of what they could take because of this huge, huge journey that they've been on. Um, and, and during that time, filming became really hard because they were just both so raw and um, having so much sort of trouble talking about it. Um, and, and, yeah, it was it was a really emotional process. And, I mean, even now when I watch the film, I always, I'm always crying, you know, mm-hmm. because 
I just feel so deeply for them both and what they both went through and how amazingly they both, you know, handled it. Like, and I feel like, you know, we really tried to put that into the film as much as possible to make it as raw and emotional as those two felt at the time. Um, and I, I know I definitely feel it when it, whenever I watch it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Samantha, you can, you can definitely feel that emotion come through on screen. Um, uh, there's no doubt that Elle was suffering from from a deep trauma. Most of us will never be able to understand. Uh, but how were you viewing Lauren during the shoot? Did, did you ever feel that she was being used by Elle? Did you feel like, um, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I mean, objectively as friends, um, it was difficult as well. And just kind of like touching on your previous question, it was an interesting thing during the the filming because we would you know oftentimes we would do an interview with Elle and she'd be in the bedroom of their shared house and she you know she'd kind of tell us exactly how she's feeling and how she feels the relationship's going and then we would go and have the same conversation with Lauren you know in a different location Mm -hmm. and just they were so just not on the same wavelength for so much of that and they were both kind of like silently suffering in their own ways Mm -hmm. and I mean it's tricky with um what they both went through because we always say that yeah there are times that um it really feels like, you know, Lauren is really struggling Mm -hmm. in the relationship and she's kind of not being seen in the way that she wants to be seen. But it was just so difficult for Elle to kind of, she was putting all her energy into staying alive and making it through this gender transition. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what we're kind of trying to convey in the film is that you do, the loss that transgender folk you know what the losses that they have in their life whether it be relationships or financially they're so they're so great because they all they can do is focus on one thing and they come out of it transformed but there's a huge cost and getting emotional just talking about it Uh, did did you ever did you ever worry that either of them would pull the pin on on this documentary um well they they did at a certain point um Yeah, well, um, it got to a stage, you know, towards um, the end where Elle sort of said, I, I can't, you know, I can't, it's getting, it's getting too much. You know, she was, at, she was on some um, really intense sort of transition drugs at the time and she was having a lot of trouble. Um, and, and obviously the documentary filming this sort of stuff with Elle's friends and her family and um, Lauren, it was, you know, putting pressure on on her relationships in a way, yeah. um, and I think that it got to a point where she really um, wanted to pull the pin, um, and Lauren sort of sat her down and was like, "No, you know, the girls have worked too hard. We we can't do this. Um, we've got to keep going. You know, this is we got to sort of think back to what we originally wanted, which is we want." our story to be able to help people in a similar situation to us and then about six months down the line um lauren got to the end of her tether and she was like oh you know i I had an out six months ago without i should have agreed with her um but you know they both did come around um i think you know at a certain point this the intensity of what they went through and a lot of what they went through they weren't telling their family and friends me and sam were sort of the only people that knew the um 
what they were going through. And I think it became really scary to them to think that everyone was going to see that. So Elle's mother features in the film briefly. Were were you hoping to get more time uh, with Elle's mother? I just can't remember her name again off the top of my head. Peter. Well, um, it's interesting with Peter because I, I do feel like we kind of got we got all that we needed from Peter in a sense, even though it was really an interview and we spent some time at the house and we spent some time with them together. It felt like we got everything we needed to get. Um, You know, she was really vulnerable and honest with us in the time that we had with her, which we weren't really sure if she would be because, you know, that she's, she's from Raleigh Stone. There's a lot of um, small community politics that happen up in an area like that. And we weren't sure how guarded she'd be um, with uh, the subject matter. Um, But we just felt like, you know, what we had with her was just so raw um, and emotional that it was really felt like all we needed. Yes. And, and Sam and I sort of made a, a really conscious effort to limit our characters to a really small amount. You know, there was a time in the beginning where we were like, you know, we'll talk to a gender specialist and a doctor and, a, you know, all these different things. But um, eventually we, we decided that we wanted to, wanted to keep it really, really small with very limited characters, again, to sort of replicate the... Um, what they were going through, which is a very sort of a thing that was in many ways behind closed doors, um, except for, you know, the very key people in their lives. Um, so that was a conscious decision that we made in the film. Um, so so music plays a big role in the film as well, especially Elle's own music uh, with her band, The Love Junkies. Uh, and uh, that music and, and Elle's journey kind of reflects uh, her transition um, uh, as the band begins to, you know, fall apart. Um, tell us about the use of music in the film. Yeah, so um, that, that's absolutely right. So it, it, music plays so much into her identity and that's something we always found so interesting. You know, she, she literally gravi- gravitated towards drumming because um, she thought it was the most masculine instrument she could play. And in high school, she was, you know, pushing back against all these feelings that she was feeling inside. And, you know, she felt because she didn't feel like a man inside she had to sort of replicate what she perceived masculinity to be. And she said she saw um, she saw Dave Grohl and she said, you know, well, that's a good example of a, of a man, you know. He's, he's really nice but he's really sort of masculine and I'm going to sort of try and replicate that. Um, and then, you know, she, she joined this band with, with her best friends and, you know, it was very much sort of a, a masculine band. Um, and I think as she transitioned, she sort of grew away from the need to, to do that, to put on that front. And then in the end, you know, she's gravitated away from that and, and her friendships change in that time too because she no longer feels a part of the, the, the boys' group, you know. She no longer feels like she identifies with that. And in the end, she's in sort of like a pop punk lesbian band and she plays keys. So I think it, it really perfectly um, encapsulates her experience. Yes, yes. Samantha, anything you want to add? Yeah, that perfectly says it. It's just, yeah, you kind of, you see it all kind of, um, yeah, her work through all of those, her gender being tied to the instruments on screen. But another interesting thing with Elle is that kind of, you know, towards the end and now beyond the film, she's in like a place now where she recognises that her 
masculinity or femininity isn't tied to any instruments so it's almost like a full circle moment in that sense as well where she doesn't her gender isn't so defined by the things around her or what she wears or what she does anymore so yeah it's that's been interesting to watch as well uh, yeah that's a really good point that's a really good point you know she 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 found a lot of things like that she, when she was playing around with clothes and stuff like that and you know being like I need to wear a dress I need to wear makeup and all that sort of stuff and in the end she sort of realizes the 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 female that she is is she's a bit of a tomboy and she likes a lot of masculine things you know she likes playing soccer and and drumming and all those sort of things so um yeah I think it, it, it was she was very sort of regimented in the beginning and then once she um she got through all that she realized that none of none of those things really mattered to her gender identity yes uh, as filmmakers it must also be handy to have access to that kind of music so you're not paying royalties right <laughs> I mean, we you still definitely pay. I think we still paid royalties to the Love Junkies, yeah. but um, yeah, it's a modest amount compared to something that um, Cody would have probably signed for under the volcano. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, we kind of heard about all of um, her licensing, <laughs> the licensing journey she went through for that film as well. So she was really well versed in what to do when she started licensing for Girl Like You. So we're also really lucky in that kind of aspect as well but we um we engaged a composer um to compose a lot of the uh music throughout Girl Like You as well and that was a really amazing experience for Francis and I kind of just um you know finding references that we like and kind of massaging this music into exactly what we wanted and I feel like the musical landscape of the film is so you know woven into us because we just spent a lot of time <laughs> kind of conceptualizing that in a way it plays a huge part in this film so you two mentioned uh, that you were both uh, friends with with both Elle and Lauren I'm wondering how your relationship is now following the making of this film yeah yeah we're both friends with Elle and Lauren um I kind of had a I had a really strong friendship with Lauren and kind of met Elle after the fact um, once they started dating and we kind of instantly clicked as well. I know it was the same with Frances. We just bonded with Elle really early on. Mm. Um, and I think that we've all been through so much together. We spent so much of our lives together over the past six years. Mm. We just know each other on a level which is really difficult to kind of convey now because we've been through such a unique thing together um even though we were kind of behind the camera I feel that um because Francis and I know so much about Lauren and Ellen kind of a different way that you would your friends usually um it just kind of made us go from strength to strength so we're still really close with both of them um and yeah it's it's where it's an interesting thing making a film on your friends that's for sure <laughs> uh, Francis yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, it really, really bonded us together. Um, and we're, we're such good friends now. You know, a um, couple of nights ago we were out drinking with Elle and, you know, like Sam said, because you, you sort of you sort of start this thing where, you know, both of them allowed us such honesty and rawness in what they they offered up on camera, you know. Like they, would, they were never sort of shying away from the most difficult parts of what they were going through. They really sort of opened up to us on camera in a way that, you know, I don't think the documentary would be half of what it was if not for those two's honesty with us. Um, and that, 
in terms of a friendship created like such a trust between us and such a bond, you know, and even now, you know, we, we, when we get together, it's always just deep and meaningful about anything that's going on in everyone's lives. You know, it's where we're really close with them and, and um, we have the film to thank for that, I think. Uh, so obviously they've both seen the film. Yes. Yep. And uh, how did, how did they cope with that? What was their reaction to it? Oh, well, we, we, um, we didn't want to show them the film until it was um, where we wanted it to be. So, so we spent about a year in post-production um, on the 6 by 10 version, which was the first version, um, and we didn't really show them that until the final cut. Um, and me and Sam were very, very nervous about showing them. I think it was the most nervous I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> um, and, you know, so we, we sat them down at Sam's house and Elle sort of said to us, I want to watch it alone by myself first and then we can watch it again together and we can go through stuff. So we sat Elle down on Sam's couch um, and, you know, press play and then me and Sam walked out the door and we were just walking around the block, walking around the block, walking around the block, so <laughs> nervous. Um, you know, because obviously it, it's it's such an intense experience seeing the highs and lows of your life, you know, super cut together to music. Like I couldn't, I could not imagine how intense that experience would be for them. And another thing is we don't really shy away from um, the flaws and mistakes that both Elle and Lauren make throughout that journey. Mm. And I think that that was what we were a bit nervous about. Um, you know, we wanted them both to be really comfortable with the portrayal of them. Um, and I think, you know, Elle sort of came out and um, she, she, she did at first sort of say, oh, you know, I've got a lot more work to do on myself and I, you know, shouldn't be doing that and I shouldn't be doing that. But then, you know, she really did enjoy it and, and completely trust us. She didn't ask us to change anything. She didn't ask us to take anything out because at the end of the day she, she said, you know, well, that is what happened, you know. Yeah. I did live it. So seeing it in this way is, you know, it's not a surprise to me because I, I lived it for six yeah. years. So. Uh, how have audiences reacted to it? Because it's had a few festival screenings now. Have you done Q&As and stuff like that? Yeah, we have. We, we kind of had a cast and crew screening um, here in Como, um, which had a really amazing reception. Um, yeah, we had, we had a lot of people kind of come up to us afterwards. We did a Q&A with that as well, um, which was amazing. And we had our trans collaborator, Stevie Lane, um, within that Q&A, which I thought, which we thought was a really great idea as well. Um, but we had a lot of people come up to us after that Q&A and just say that they kind of had, they, they hadn't, had kind of a deep access look into the transgender world and it had been, you know, really not in their kind of lexicon of what relationships are or what they look like. Um, and that was really special for Francis and I because that was kind of the main, all we wanted to do was kind of for there to be kind of that representation and to just normalise you know, queer relationships on screen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, we've had really positive reactions so far. We also had the screening in Cinefest Oz um, yes. down south, yeah. um, which we, we had an incredible Q&A for that as well. And it just screened over um, at Raindance uh, a couple of nights ago um, in their queer LGBTQI plus strain. Um, and, you know, we've got a couple of, videos from there and it seemed to have a really positive audience reaction as well so we're, we're quite happy 
Excellent. That's great to hear. Uh, final question here. Would you two like to continue to make uh, films together going forward? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, me, me and Sam, you know, making this film, we really, I think because we both come at documentary making from quite different areas, you know, my sort of specialty is the behind the scenes direction stuff because I have a background in film and television and in writing. And Sam comes from the journalistic side where her, you know, her um, sort of ambition is all about driving societal change and making really deep connections with the subjects, which translates to, you know, authentic, raw stories on screen. It means that we work really well together and we sort of both have our own strengths that we can give into the project. Um, and it's also just really fun making documentaries with Sam, you know, like really fun to be able to have someone care about a film on the exact same level as you to go through all those highs and lows. Um, so we, me and Sam sort of plan to, to make films in the same way that we made this film, which is... Um, co-direct and co-write and um we we also edited girl like you and co-produced it um maybe not that next time because that was a uh yeah that was a lot of work um but you know we definitely want to go forward in in the same way making films together yes sam yeah exactly what francis said it's just it is so much fun and i just feel i feel so lucky because even when we're kind of moving on to new projects now and working together and um, all of that kind of pre-production and development. It's just so much fun when you're working with a collaborator who has kind of the exact same um, thoughts and feelings and, you know, values as you. And um, like Francis says, we've just, we've always been a really cohesive team um, and we just work with each other's strengths. So yeah, it's absolutely, we can't wait to keep making films together. I'm so glad you both said that and that you didn't say, no, we had each other now. We don't want anything to do with each other. We're moving on. <laughs> that, was a, that was a real risk going in, I think. We, that was a real risk. We were like, well, our friendship survived being locked in a room for a year, for a year together in post-production, but it did. So... <laughs> You've proved yourselves to be a dynamic duo, so hopefully we see much more from you uh, you both going forward. Um, Samantha, Francis, uh, thank you again for being a part of the Cinema Australia podcast and for sharing these terrific filmmaking stories with us. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud. For all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews, you can visit www.cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube at Cinema Australia. 